Glory to his name, my brothers and sisters. Uh, just an awesome time of meditating on the Lord. And our Lord is so good. Even when we have difficult times, he is faithful. And I am so grateful. Heavenly Father, just want to say a quick prayer on top of the blessing that we received through prayer previously. Heavenly Father, we can do nothing without you. And so we just ask for your guidance, your wisdom, for Radius Church. We want you to build your church, Lord, so the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As your word goes forth, we pray that you prepare the speaker and the receivers, not only for this day, but continually for your mission. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. We are in our second week for our New Year's series, continuing from the series of God's plan, your life. We have been going through the Bible, highlighting things that many of us have heard God has revealed to us over our lifetime as a Christian, so for many, it's a reminder of the purpose of the church. For others, it is getting a proper understanding of why we are here, why the church exists, why Radius exists, and we are learning that through our Lord Jesus Christ as it is revealed in the scriptures. We've been looking at the book of John. We learned last week that this man by the name of John, who likely wrote the book of John, had been in ministry for over 50 years before he wrote this book. He was a man known as the man who Jesus loved. And before he wrote this book, many other books had been circulating through the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had been circulating through the church, the other gospels, and they all, and they all rather had their own unique theme that was focused on or designed to give credibility to who Jesus Christ was as the promised Messiah from the Old Testament scriptures. But many at that time, although they had the knowledge, Old Testament biblical knowledge, they did not have the personal connection 
in their eyes were not open to see the Messiah when he came. Jesus asked the question to his disciples, who do people say that I am? You can ask that question to many of your friends and your family members and you will get different answers just like there were different answers in that day. But for Jesus, that was an important question. It was the most important questions. Who do people say that I am? Because they need to get that right. And then he turned the question to them and he says, well, who do you say that I am? Because see, you've been walking with me. You've been talking with me. You know about me, but do you have any idea who it is that stands before you? See, we go to church. Some of us been raised in the church. Some of us got the knowledge of the church. But it is so important that you understand who he is. I, um, some of you know, I went to a Bible college. And I've been a Christian for over 20 years. And one of the number one things I've learned through my experience, through going through a Bible college and being a Christian for a lot of years, that there's a lot of folks who are in the presence of Christians. They're in the Christian culture, but they do not know Jesus. I observed folks going to college to study the Bible, but they did not know the God that they were studying about. It was tradition. It was positive. They felt good. We feel good. But when you read about Jesus, when you read his story, when you read his statements, his statement seems oftentimes to me contrary to what I see in the Christian culture. It's interesting. So Jesus wants them to know, wants me to know, wants you to know. He has the question, do you know who I am? And then secondly, do you know why I'm drawing you? See, what John did in the first five verses that we looked at last time is he strategically and beautifully clarified that Jesus is God. He's God the Son. And we looked at it, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, where we get our word Trinity. There's one God who exists in three co-equal persons. One thing to explain it, difficult to comprehend it, but Jesus is God. What John will continue to do, starting in verse 6 to beyond, is to help us understand through a man, another man by the name of John, what we should do with that information. See, once you understand who he is, once the folks that you are reaching out to, that we as Radius desire to reach out to, once they understand who he is, now the question is, what are we going to do about it? And John beautifully uses the word light to springboard what we should do about it. He says he was the light, and the light was the light of men. Jesus was the light. What do you do with light 
folks, saints? Do you hide it? No, some of y'all know that little scripture. You don't take light and hide it. When it's dark, you don't take the light away and move it away from the darkness. Duh, naturally, when you have light, you put the light in the darkness so that folks can see. So, Jesus is awesome, ain't he? Amen, saints. If this was, if, if we could do church like Chris wanted us to do, we can do a praise break right after that. I'm just not good at leading that. Bridget got that down. Because those of you that have known him enough, you know, oh, Lord, thank you. Mainly because he loved a sinner like me. That's the main reason why I thank him. It is unbelievable. I get so discouraged with myself, and then all of a sudden, God encourages me. And I just don't get it. Why, Lord, after I constantly mess up, you still love me? Why, Lord, when I say things that I shouldn't say, you still love me? Why, Lord, when I blame you and say, why aren't you with me? Then why, why is it you show up and you forgive me? And then you deliver me. And then the cycle continues. Doesn't somebody else need to know that light? When we say praise him and hallelujah, how important is it for us to commit our life to sharing the light? If we have experienced the light. See, number one, the reason why God delivers you over and over is because eventually he says to you, look, I want you to help somebody else. So John flows in verse six. He says there was a man. Sent from God. His name was John. This is not the John who wrote the Bible. This is another guy that you'll learn about reading in the book of John called John the Baptist. He was preaching to the people, preparing them for the coming of Jesus, for the visual manifestation of God in human form who will walk among them. And John the Baptist was preaching to the Jews to prepare them for the Messiah who would be revealed, who had been on the earth with them for 30 years, but they just didn't know it. As we learned in the Christmas story, he was prophesied that he would come in Bethlehem. The Magi came to worship him. They were far from God. They were not religious folks. They knew him, but the folks that should know him didn't know him. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah, but Lord have mercy. So this man that was sent from God named was John. But here's why God sent him. He came as a witness. To bear witness about the light. But why did he come as a witness to bear witness about the light? 
Thank you, my sister. I need a helper around here. He came as a witness so that who may believe? Some? All. Everybody. Everybody has equal opportunity to believe through him. The folks you work with. The folks in your home. Friends. Family. John came as a witness, and he is our example of what we do with the information once God blesses us. He understood in verse 8, he was not the light. Thank God for that. Because <laughs> sometimes people need to know that, that us Christians, we mess up. We trying to live right. We ain't the light. But there's something that we receive from Jesus that you need to get. It has to do with that little, little word called sin. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now, we know that John is a model, but Jesus also saw John as a model. In Matthew chapter 11, Verse 11, let's start with verse 11. Jesus said about John, he says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen nobody greater than John the Baptist. The author of the book of John is establishing why John was born and how God sent him. It was to be a witness, right? So when you understand and you meditate on his life and you hear about what Jesus said, you see that John's greatness is tied to his witness. In John chapter 10, 41, you can skip and jump down to that one, Anderson. His greatness was not tied to the miraculous. They said about John, this man did no miracles, no signs, but he did do what he was called to do, right? Because he says everything he said about this man, Jesus, is true. See, I'll tell you a little something about the greatness of John besides the witness. John was a popular guy. He was popular with the Jews in that day. One of the reasons why he was popular, because he told it like it is, and people like that in every generation. They like people who keep it real, especially when you know what's going on is wrong and ain't nobody willing to say it, but that person will say it. John would correct the religious leaders. You could be stoned for correcting the religious leaders. He called them out and said that you are not doing what you're supposed to do and what God called you to do. He also corrected the political leaders. The king himself, who you most definitely can get killed for that, and John did. He ended up getting murdered, getting his head chopped off. But folks respected him. See, John was great because he was real. And he was also great because he was willing to be a witness. 
but Jesus seen him to be great. Because he did what God called him to do. Greatness is doing what God has called you to do. John, in the scriptures, it was emphasized that he was poor. Matthew 3, 4. Is that up there? If not, we'll just talk about it. No, that's not up there. I didn't put that up there. It talked about him being poor. He ate weird food. He didn't look cute. Rugged looking man. And Jesus made it clear himself that he was poor. John 11, chapter 7. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. You can turn there and it's on the cross references of the scriptures. John chapter 11, starting in verse 7. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Here's what Jesus said. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Because John was known as a man that was hanging out in rough places in the wilderness and where he preached. A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are the folks in the high places. Holla at your boy, Ricardo. Jesus called him soft. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. He's going to shoot a text to the whole group on me. Jesus seen the folks that were living on their high horse, they soft. That wasn't John. He says, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Then he says, truly I say to you, this man who has done no miracle, has done none special, who is poor, broke, beat down, don't look good, he's greatest. However, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven, that's you, those that came to know who Jesus was as the Messiah and accepted that after Christ, John was in the Old Testament era. He is preaching and paving the way for the New Testament era. That would happen after Jesus died and resurrected and the Holy Spirit came and all that and we would start the church and that's you. The least of the folks in the kingdom of God is greater than John. But how are they great? John is our example. They're witness for Jesus. See, I hear all the time. You can turn on the TV here all the time. God wants you to be great. God wants you to be great. But what does that mean? Well, for God, it all starts with Acts 1, chapter 8, the mission statement of the church. He said to the disciples, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. 
First in your own hometown, in Jerusalem. Then you're going to go to Judea, the folks that you don't like. And then you're going to go and do missions work into all the earth. And because they did that, we exist today. Now, on the foundation of that greatness, when God calls you and he introduces you to Jesus, then whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, if he gives you money or not gives you money, the question is, are you using it for him? See, greatness that's not on that foundation is greatness for you. But greatness that is on the foundation of being a witness for Christ is greatness for God. And that's really all that matters. See, you can be great for God and be called to be not as wealthy. You can be great for God and be called to be wealthy. Because when God sees your greatness, it is not as man sees your greatness. Because God knows that all of this is temporary. This life we live right now. You're going to die and you're going to leave it to somebody. Or this world one day, according to the Bible, will come to an end. So whether it is that you die and you move on, when you stand before the Lord, the Lord will determine if you are great. Not all the folks who was pumping us up. But then secondly, again, one day when this world is no more, all that you do for this world, none of it will matter. Back again to John 1 again and getting down towards the end here. A couple of points. So, highlighting quickly again John 6 through 8 and some of the highlights for us to take. Verse 6, first of all, John was a man from God. As Christians... The first thing we need to know, looking at John and his example from us, for us, is that we need to understand or really try to develop confidence through prayer and talking to God, knowing that what we do is from him. People need to know we are from God. You, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, the number one thing you need to know about your life and your life purpose is that God saved you for his purpose. You are from him. Your life is not your own. Number two, verse seven. You need to know that the second thing that God cares about once he reveals himself to you is how are you using your gifts and how he revealed himself to you to be a witness for his glory to help others since he's doing so much for you. Here at Radius Church, our mission is to love you and build you up so we can reach others. We do not want numbers for the sake of numbers. We want numbers as evidence that we're reaching others. So at some point, which is what we're doing right now, we're trying to build core team, encourage you, get you to join us. At some point, we want to really market what Radius is doing so that people can see genuine love of Christ in this building and outside this building through a people who are all committed to it so that we can show them what Christ looks like when somebody is a witness. We can love on them. We can be there for them. We can help them. And then we can introduce them to why we do it Verse 8, because we ain't the light. 
whenever a church or a ministry gets to the point where they forget this, then what it becomes is tradition and selfishness without putting our focus back to the God who it should be on. All right. Now, verse 9 and 11 through 11. Here's what's going to happen sometimes, folks. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. We're going to love one another. And then that true light, which gives light to everyone who came into the world, he was in the world at that time. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The context here is he's speaking about the Jews. God came. He came originally to reach the Jews. He came as a Jew for his own people, but they rejected him. But here's what also happens for Christians as we go to witness. Not everybody's going to accept it. We know this. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but this is just a reminder that we need to stay encouraged because not everybody's going to accept it. However, here's an application, a principle, okay? As Radius Church, as Christians, this is not something that any of us can force you to do. This is just a nugget for wisdom. You have to use your time wisely. Because people who are not accepting him will draw you away from your calling. They will beat you down, burden you down. You have to know what God has called you to do and focus and not feel bad. Because God draws the people that he wants you to minister to. We have to look for people who are committed to build a relationship with us knowing that we are about Jesus Christ. We can't hide that or be ashamed of it or put it under a light or else we'll get the wrong type of friendships. Now, finally, even though God is going to encourage you, he's going to keep reminding you of the principles of this message so we can reach others, the reality is there will be discouragement because living for Christ is hard. Matthew chapter 11, 3, it is amazing what John says here. John had said himself that this Jesus, who I am witnessing about, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I have seen his glory. I know that this is him. But yet when he was in prison... When he was beat down by people, he got discouraged and his faith was tested. And he said, he sent the message to Jesus and he said, say to him, are you the one that is to come? I mean, that is outstanding, not outstanding in a good way. Amazing that this man who knew God, who had an intimate relationship with God, who Jesus knew was awesome, he got discouraged. He actually sent them to ask Jesus, are you who I thought I think you are? Because my faith is shaken. 
Are you the one who is to come or shall we seek after another? This was after he looked at Jesus and said, the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. That can happen to us Christians. We hide one day and questioning God the next. But oh, thank God for Jesus. Because this when Jesus' answer was in verse 7, you go and tell John that he's the man. That because he's living for me, I got him and there's no one greater born among men, women. If God has called you, you the man, you the woman. You are great. You are called for greatness. But let's get that straight, what that call for greatness includes. Are you using your gifts to bring people to Jesus? Easy? No. Meant to do, that's what you were born for, that's what God revealed himself to you for? Yes. My brothers and sisters, my heart and my prayer is that God would transform us here at Radius in a way where many, many would come to know Christ. I, by God's grace, am not asking you to do anything. I am not asking God to help me to do. I have committed my life for his glory and not my own. For my family, I give everything to them. For you, I give everything to you. Nothing is about me. Why? Because I'm trying to live the life where Jesus can say, as he said to John, Brother Jay, you have done great works. Even though you ain't got a car like Ricardo or Anderson. <laughs> but when you stand before me, I sing you. And my heart and my prayer is that God will give you the same heart. In Jesus' name, singers come up.